0: morning everyone. Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Uh, I, uh, I want to read you a story. It's about a theologian by the name of Karl Barth. Some of you may have heard this before, because I've shared it once before, but I like it so much, I'm going to share it again. But there's a theologian by the name of Karl Barth, who he was asked to be a guest lecturer at the uh, University of uh, Chicago Divinity School. And at the end of a captivating uh, uh, lecture, a closing lecture, the president of the uh, seminary announced that uh, Dr. Barth was not well and was quite tired, and though he thought that Dr. Barth would be open, like to be open for questions, he shouldn't be uh, expected to handle the strain. And then he said, therefore, I will ask just one question on the behalf of all of us. So he turned to the renowned theologian and asked, of all the theological insights you've ever had, which do you consider to be the greatest of them all? It's quite the question, isn't it? Of all the theological insights you've ever had, which do you consider to be the greatest of them all? was the perfect question for a man who had literally written tens of thousands of, uh, some of the most sophisticated theology ever uh, put into print. So the students leaned forward readying themselves to take down verbatim the premier insight of this great theologian. Karl Barth closed his tired eyes. Then he thought for a moment. And he half smiled, opened up his eyes, and he said to those young seminarians, the greatest theological insight that I've ever had is this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Says it all, doesn't it? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Father, thank you for your word. Because in it, we learn that love has indeed come. So today is the fourth week of our Advent celebration. And we celebrate the Advent of love. So as I was preparing, um, I did, I don't know, a dangerous thing, a bit of a scary thing. Um, I went to the internet (laughs) to get some definitions of love. And I learned very, very quickly. Don't worry. I've got enough uh, protection on my computer. Bells and whistles go off if I go into any of those, uh, you know, inappropriate sites. But I did learn very quickly that our modern culture has the idea of love all mixed up, and that's because it's viewed through a, a, a through, view through a lens shaped by selfishness. You know, I should have listened to Karl Barth and gone straight to the Bible. You know, I'm not sure what shapes your uh, ideas about love this morning, but from our Bible reading today, I think we can identify some qualities that absolutely shaped God's love. In Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 10 and 11, the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This was the day God's love intersected with humanity. And as our theme theme indicates, it was the day love has come. But I want you to notice something. It was a real day. It was a real day recorded in history. Not a day in some some mythological, imaginary, cute story. But as Luke points out in verse 1... And verse 2, it was a day when Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, was in power and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. It was a real day. And that tells us something. It tells us that God's love was planned. It was not an accident. It was not an afterthought. It wasn't a whimsical feeling or, or some abstract thought or random emotion, God's love was planned, planned. And today, in the town of David, you know what? And that plan produced a verifiable action. A Savior has been born to you. God's love was planned. You know, I was, uh, as I was looking at I was thinking um, back a few years, 44 to be precise, I was thinking about the time my love for Deb matured. The time had come for me to ask her to marry me. And so I very carefully chose the perfect ring. I painstakingly chose the perfect day. And I even made sure she was available on that day. I even planned it right down to the perfect moment and place. I picked her up in the perfect car, my fully restored 69 Mustang convertible. With the roof down and the wind gently, well not so gently, blowing in her hair, I took her to a beautiful bluff and that bluff overlooked our grand river was perfect. I opened the door and I helped her out and I led her to that special perfect spot. Then I knelt down and I presented her with a ring and I asked her to marry me. You can imagine how she might have responded, right? She would have been she should have been overwhelmed, right? She goes That part was not planned. <laughs> I stand there, oh, what now? Uh, she did came back and, and we did uh, get married, <laughs> you know. But you know, the truth is, it's wonderful when you know someone has gone out of their way to purposely plan something for you. You know, it, it, it blesses you and it shows that they really care. And it takes the words, I love you, and it gives them substance. In Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, we read, but when the time had fully come, that would be the time that God had planned. When everything was finally ready, every detail meticulously and miraculously prepared, God sent his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those that would be us under the law so that he could, what? Adopt us as his sons. And as his daughters. Angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. He planned this moment for me. He planned this moment for you, Larry, who are watching online. I know you're there right now because you told me you would be there. He planned this for you rod he planned this for you sandy he planned this for you elliot and deb and janice and and don and mary he planned this for you gary and deb he planned this for you and he planned this for me and when i think about that that just that's a mind blower that god would plan this moment for you and for me You know, his plan includes every single person. God's love is so very personal. It includes every single person. It is so fast, no one is excluded. When I think of that, God's love was planned for you and me. It wasn't an accident. It was not an accident when the set time had fully come. The coming of God's love was planned for you and me. But the angel continues, this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. this brings me to my next point. God's love was made visible. God's love was made visible. How many of us have ever, ever wrestled with the question, God, do you love me? God, do you love me? You know, we may find ourselves facing those moments of challenge and wondering, God, does God still love me? Because I just don't feel anything anymore. God, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. I just, you know, things aren't making sense. God, do you love me? Are you there? Do you still love me? I don't feel anything. Our circumstances don't seem to change. And we wonder... And we wonder, God, do you love me? Or are you mad at me or something? Give me a sign. Give me something that you, will, that you still care. You know, sometimes we look to things, uh, we look to some interesting things for God uh, to show us uh, his love. Uh, we might look to unexpected income or a, or a job promotion. You know, I was thinking, you know what? Would really show me if God loved me? Someone bought me a new car. You know, I don't have that high expectations. I would settle for a Santa Cruz, maybe a Kia EV6, you know. That's not, you know, I'm kidding, but, but you know, we, we look, we do funny things to, to God, do you love me? And, and when, those, those, when those things don't happen, you know, I don't get the job, I don't get the job promotion, and things don't work out the way I expected, we, we begin to question God's love. And the question... Uh, God, do you love me? Is a very, very real question. You know, in my role as, as pastor, I, I encounter, I talk with so many people who struggle deeply to believe that God actually loves them and cares about them. But here's how we can know that God loves us. The Bible tells us, this is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. This is how God loved us. God loved us so much. So much more than, his love is so much more than a feeling or an emotion. It is a visible person. His name is Jesus. Jesus The love of God, the inexhaustible grace of God, made visible to human eyes, born again in human hearts. Love has come. He is Emmanuel, God with us, who will never leave us or abandon us. And that brings me to my next point, that God's love is costly. You know, we know the depth of uh, someone's love by what it cost them and the angel said this will be a sign to you you will find the babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger he is the messiah he is christ the lord you know we read over that and we go oh that's cute we'll find this this babe lying in a manger and we're so familiar with the, the, um, the story. I think the, 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 the stunning uh, reality of what's being spoken here kind of misses us. Let me read it to you again. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. He is Christ the Lord. And this is an absolutely stunning, astonishing reality of the magnitude of God's love to us. The one, and we heard it, I think we heard it this morning, the one who fills all things. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Hear that? All things were created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He is the one who fills all. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. He humbled himself, limiting himself to the body of a helpless infant. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said this, the creator became dependent on the creature. Heaven's bread, Jesus, sought nourishment at Mary's breast. God became flesh and blood. God became flesh and blood. In the gospel of John, John writes, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And if you study that out and and you look at the language, you know, we read it, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. But he wasn't, John wasn't writing that just as a nice, simple sentence. And he wasn't trying to paint a, a pretty picture or, or, or a, some kind of metaphor. Rather, this sentence is a jawing. It's, it's, it's a raw, it's a, like, what? It's startling. The Word became flesh. What? How, how can that be? It's startling. And, and when, when we understand that Jesus didn't come just looking like a human... He became a human with flesh and blood. He became one with us. The creator became like his creation. He became like us. That's got to blow your mind. He lived life with us. And he shared in what it, what it means to, to live a human life. And as a result, he understands everything you and I faced because he's faced it all himself, yet without sin. Not only does he understand, he knows the way through and he will bring us through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't come to live out of a place of, of power and, and position. You know what? He set aside. He set aside his glory. He set aside his power. He set aside everything that, that encompasses the, the majesty and the magnificence and the brilliance of his splendor and grandeur. When the angels made the announcement, the glory of God shone about, right? He set it all aside. He set aside everything that encompasses him, his majesty, the magnificence of his brilliance, his splendor, his glory. He came and st- stunning simplicity and humility to live life with with us in order to serve us, in order to serve you, in order to serve me with a goal to show us what the Father is like, full of love and grace and truth. He came to show us the way back to the Father, and to show us what's available in the kingdom of God. Life, abundant life, eternal life, which is available through faith in Jesus. He who was rich beyond measure became poor for our sakes. Why? So that through his poverty, we might become rich. The Son of God became a human so that humanity you and I might become children of God. Wow. He became sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. And his sin spread throughout the world. But this one man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's mercy. He he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is how God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were sinners... Christ died for us. God became flesh and blood. A servant. A sacrifice. A savior. Hallelujah, what a savior. You know, I've read theologian after theologian as they... they. Uh, try to gr- explain and grasp the wonder of this truth. And even right now, I find words fail me to, to, to articulate the, the incredible um, moment that God became flesh. And let me sum it up with, with, with this. And I combine a lot of different thoughts here, but let me sum it up in this. It is by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible. More amazing than the resurrection and even more amazing than the creation of the universe. Words fall short describing the fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God took on flesh, joining Himself to a human nature forever becoming fully human yet fully God a servant, a sacrifice, a Savior. For unto us is born this day a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should never perish but have eternal life. If you ever find yourselves in that moment when you wonder, does God really love me? Remember, love has come and it has come to you. His name is Jesus. Look to Jesus and look at how he has come. Amen? Amen. If you ever question... Does God love me? Look to Jesus. How great the Father's love that we should be called sons of God. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your love, Jesus Christ. We thank you that a Savior has come, that his name is Jesus. And in that we see your unfailing love to each one of us. And I pray, Father, that if there is anyone who ever questions that, that they would look to you, Jesus, and they would see in you the love of the Father made available to each and every one of us. We thank you today that love has come, and we can celebrate that fact. And we can know that you love us and that you have planned this moment for us that we could be made your children. We exalt you, Father, and we bless you. And the church said, Amen.